morning. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to do a topical message today, something that comes up pretty often, and we already, last week, kind of took a break with Andy preaching from our series. I thought it would be a good time to do a topical message, and then we'll jump back in, Lord willing, to Revelation next week. Before we do, before we read, um, let's pray here together. Father, we look to you for help. We need you in everything, especially to understand your word. Um, we know it's your spirit that gives us understanding and eyes to see, and I just pray that you would open our eyes to see uh, wonderful things out of your law, out of your word. We're looking to you for help. We need you. Um, thank you so much for peace that you give us through Jesus. We're very thankful. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you want to open to First John, I'm going to jump around quite a bit here. And I'm going to talk about something that comes up very often. First John 2. And something probably should give a message on maybe every year, year and a half or so, because it comes up so much and is very important to have clear in our mind. And... That is different, several different ways to say it. Um, the most common way we say it is, what's God's will for my life? A lot of, I hear that phrase a lot. What's God's will for my life? Another way to say it is uh, seeking guidance from God. We just read about Gideon, um, and that's a famous example of wanting guidance, wanting specific guidance for God, from God. And this comes up a lot. When things happen, people have difficult decisions. What do I do here? What do I do? What does God want me to do? And it's really something important to understand, and so I thought it would be good just to take a a short one-week break and talk about it. And for many of you, it's a reminder, but maybe there'll be something new that you can take and uh, apply it to your life. So let's read here in... This is not going to be at first super, super clear how this connects, but I hope this helps us to understand. 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does, the will of God abides forever. Now, I want to highlight a few things here. This passage confused me for a while. Um, for, first of all, First John and John in general kind of He's not like Paul where it's like point A, B, C, D, and then summarizes it. He kind of circles back around and back around. And so I was reading through this and thinking about it. And you would think, well, I'm going to read it through slowly again because there's some words that come up over and over. And you think you know where he's going and then it doesn't go there. So do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So love, love, love there. Lots of love. For all that is in the world, and then it talks about the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever, and I thought for sure it would say loves, but it doesn't. It says whoever does the will of God abides forever. And what I'm going to show you today, and I hope this is helpful, uh, I've got a PowerPoint here, or at least a couple of slides, is that it actually makes sense what he's saying, although it's not super clear in English, um, in, the, in the ESV. So the first point I want to make today, and this reason I'm bringing this up is, when we say the will of God, in some ways it kind of mystifies what we're talking about. Okay? Now, this is the King James, and the only reason I put the King James up here on the left is because it uses the word lust over and over. Um, and this, all these underlined words are actually the same word in the Greek. So for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is the same word that comes up here later. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth, this is King James, the will of God abides forever. These are actually all the same word. And so it seems like he's going one direction, but the theme here, the reason it, the word that comes up most is not actually the love part, it's actually desires. So now I'll read it again here. I switched the word out uh, for will or lust, and I put all the same word, desires. And you can see how this whole section connects and... Um, ties together really well this way for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the desires of god abides forever whoever does the desires of god abides forever so the first point i want to make here is simply this that when we talk about what does god want or what's god's will we're just saying, what does God desire? What does God desire? What does God want? And as much as possible, I try and use the language that we use in everyday life. Because there's times where we can use words as we talk about God, and it makes God mysterious when it doesn't need to be. We want to have clarity. We want to have understanding. And so that means language through language. And so instead of saying, what's God's will for my life? We don't really talk about that. We don't really talk like that in other situations, right? My wife doesn't say, um, what's your will for dinner tonight? I just wonder, I just wish I knew uh, what Andrew's will was. <laughs> we don't really talk like that. So what do you want for dinner? You know, And I feel like just that, just using the word, what does God want, helps in understanding what his will is. What does God want for our life? It, it kind of demystifies it. It takes it from this strange mystery to, Okay, what does God want? And, and even that can help clear this up. I'm going to read just one more verse here and just kind of give you, the, give you an example of this. Maybe two. Let's just do two. Make sure this is... Okay, this is from John 4. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Okay? That's the ESV. Now, we could translate it exactly the same with the word desire. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the desires of him who sent me and to accomplish his work or want. Jesus said to them, My food is to do what God wants me to do and to accomplish his work. I'll give you one more here just to kind of give you... Hopefully this helps. I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus again. As I hear... I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
Okay, same thing, but with the word desire. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own desire, but the desires of him who sent me. Or again, want. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just, because I don't seek what I want, but what God wants. And so this leads us to the first point. All these passages, First John, as well as you know John 5 here, and we can turn the uh, projector off because I'm going to stop there with the slide. But I wanted you to see that. First point I want to make here in terms of knowing what God wants, knowing God's will for your life, if you want to say it that way, is just, the first point I want to make is just this. We should want to want what God wants. <laughs> it's just a big deal to say, I want to do what God wants me to do. And that's the first step. And that's a big step because really conversion is all of us moving from death to life to saying, I want to do what I want and realizing well, that what we call that is sin, right? And to say, I don't care what God wants. If God says this is the way to go, I don't really care. I want to do my own thing. And a repentance is really seeing that and turning and saying, it's no longer, I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want forgiveness for all the times where I was just, it was all about me. And I want to submit myself to God. And so that's a big deal. It's a big deal just to simply be in the place where you want to do what God wants. And it's important. That's what First John 2 we read emphasizes. Not to be seeking the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, but God's desires. We want to do what God wants us to do. And whoever does what God wants, it says, abides forever. Like Annie talked about, there's peace in that. We want to do what God wants. And so that would be the first question that I would just ask as we kind of talk about this is, do you want to do what God wants? And when you get into a situation where you're not sure, what do I do here? What does God want me to do? This is a good first question to ask. Do I want to do what God wants? Even if that's hard. Even if that's not my natural inclination. Well, I do whatever God wants me to do here. Even if maybe other people don't like it. Or if it causes, if it takes longer, if it costs more money, if it, whatever way it might grate against the flesh. Do I want to do what God wants? If the answer is no to that, then there's some prayer and repentance to be had that we need to start there. If the answer is no to that, then, then start there. We need to pray and ask God to change our hearts. But for the rest of the message, I'm going to assume that you do, you're in a situation and the first thing is you really do want to do what God wants. And then you're asking, okay, now what? What? What do I do here? I need wisdom. I need help. And so I'm going to move on to the second point here. You're going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to read here Matthew 26, 39. Just one verse. And this is a second point that I'm going to make here. And as you turn, if you want to turn there, you can. I'll also read it. Matthew 26, 39. Here's the second point before I read it. It's, it's okay to have your own desires. It's okay to have desires that are different than what God desires. It's okay. Um, 
and I'll explain that a little further, but here in Matthew 26, 39. This is what it says. This is Jesus. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying about the cross. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Or Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. It's okay to have your own desires. It's okay to have desires that are different than what God desires. The question is this. When that happens, there's a tension. And who are you going to submit to? This really ties into the second point, or the first point, is that the question is, which desire trumps which? If you, none of us in the flesh want suffering, right? If we can avoid suffering, we will. And that's okay. And that's fine. And even we see that with Jesus here. This isn't a sinful thing that Jesus wanted to avoid suffering. He wanted to avoid dying. But what he wanted more was to do what God wanted. You see? But that's really the point where it becomes sin. When your desire and God's desire, you would rather do it this way. God wants you to do it that way. It becomes sin when you say, I don't care what God wants. My desire is trumping God's desire. Um, of course, there could be a situation where it's a fully sinful desire. In that case, that would be a sin. But I'm talking about a preference um, that's not a sin. Um, if you have, like Jesus, I get an example would be Jesus said, if a, a person looks after a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. Okay, that would be your desire and God's desire don't match. And even the desire there is sin because it's just fully desiring sin. But when you're in a situation where you're not sure what God wants, um, or maybe you are, but you wish it was different, it's okay to have your own desire as long as it's not sinful. Um, even Jesus would have rather not died on the cross. And honestly, I don't know if, if Jesus had not become a man, I think it would be very difficult to confidently assert this point. Um, that this passage makes it so clear that it's okay for a human being to have different desires than God on a specific thing. Uh, but put God put God first, and there's some mystery there, of course. I'll give you a couple more examples. This is just pain is a good one, but there's other desires that are okay. You want to get married. What if God wants you to not get married? Is it okay to have that desire? Yeah, it's okay to have a different desire than God. The question is, then what? What do you do next? Do you rebel against God if he doesn't give you what you want? Or do you say, even though this is what I want, God, I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to trust, continue to trust you. Or maybe have kids. You want to have kids. There's many people who want to have kids, and ultimately it doesn't work out for one reason or another. With Maybe that's because they don't get married, or maybe it's just providence, um, health things. Is it okay to have a different desire than God has for your life? Yeah. It's not a sinful thing to want kids or to want to be married. But then what? What do you do next? Are you going to submit yourself to God and say, God, nevertheless, this is what I want, but nevertheless, what I want is what you want. And so I say, this is what I would say here on this second point. It's okay to have your own desires, and then what do you do? Just like Jesus, pray. Give that to God. You don't have to push that down and deny that exists. You don't have to pretend like you're not struggling with a certain thing. You can just pray. You say, God, this is what I really want. I really want to be comfortable. I really want, I don't really don't want interpersonal conflict, um, with my family or with 
somebody at work or whatever it is. But ultimately, I want to do what you want me to do, regardless. And so you submit that to God. You know, it's interesting, just a side note here, we read from 1 John 2 talking about, um, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, as compared to the desires of God. You know, lust, really, you could describe it as an intense over-desire, right? I want this, um, and you're over-desiring it. It's an, it's an extreme desire to where I want money so bad, I'll steal to get it. You know, I want, um, a relationship so bad, I'll go outside of the context of marriage to find that. Um, there's a lot of examples like that, but really, we submit our desires to God, and that really is a, a cure for, for lust, for over desires. And it could be food, you know, lust with food we call gluttony, right? Um, it doesn't have to be, when we think of lust in the English, we think, um, you know, kind of sexual things, but the reality is there's lots of things where people over desire. And so, okay, a couple more things, a couple more points I want to bring out here. So, one thing that, the third thing I want to talk about is as you come to a place where you're wondering, what's God's will? You ask, do I really want to do God's will? And if I don't, can I go ahead and submit to him regardless? One other thing that is pretty clear from these passages is, is it, is it a sin? Is what I'm wanting clearly a no from God? Does God already say no to this? In which case we can stop. We don't have to ask anymore. I'll give you an example here. This is, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read this to you. If one turns away from hearing, from, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Proverbs 28, 9. So one way we could say this is this. What does the Bible say? What has God revealed? When we come to a situation where we want to know God's will, when we want to know what God wants, what does God want me to do here? Read the Bible. Ask God. God, would you please give me clarity and insight from your word what you want me to do here? And if it's clear from the Bible, no, don't do this one thing, then you've got your answer, right? Think about that verse. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So what it's saying there is if you know from the Scripture, this is what God wants me to do, and you sit down and pray, God, what do you really want me to do here? Do you really want me to be a part of a local church? Do you really want me to... Um, you know, be faithful in my marriage? Do you really want me to not steal? <laughs> you know, these things that God has already said. God's saying your prayer is an abomination. You're, he's saying you don't need to pray about that. If I've already said it, you know what you need to do. There's times when it's a clear no. And you've got your answer. You know the scripture. There's other times on the opposite end where there's a clear there's a clear yes. Um, Psalm 119, 104 to 105 says this. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we want to know where to go, Scripture. God will guide us through His word, His law. Um, we have even more than, they had, than the psalmist had here in Psalm 119. We have the New Testament as well. But if you want to know what God wants, read the Scripture. God has given you Sometimes a clear yes and sometimes principles that you can follow. But we need to be testing 
these things against the Word of God. So if you're in a situation where you want to know what God wants, what you want some guidance, look in the Scriptures. Search and see what God has to say. It's very important. It's very important because if God's already given you this, it, He's expecting you to use it. Right? You know, one of the reasons I bring this up is a lot of times um, something will be going on and people will ask, you know, what do you think about this or this? What should I do here or there? And a lot of times I'll just ask them some basic questions like, well, can you think of any verses from the Scripture? Um, or have you prayed about it? You know, something like that. And it's kind of surprising how many times people will say, well, not really. This is actually hard work, what we're talking about today. What To know what God wants, it actually takes some effort. It's easy just to have your go-to person just to go and ask, right? That's actually quite a quick conversation. Here's my situation. Here's, what I want, here's what's going on, and I'm just not sure what to do. And it's okay. I think it's actually good. We're going to talk about that in a little bit to talk to people about it. But ultimately, I'm putting these in a list and... No matter what anyone else tells you, you really got to submit this, your life, to God's Word, what He wants. And so it's really important to start here. It's really, really important. Um, you know, like the Reformers, you know, one of the things they said was ref, ref, always reforming, right? There's times when we need to just come back to God's Word. And there's things in my life where God's Word really challenges me, right? And it's like, man, this is... This is kind of the direction of maybe how we've always done it or what other people kind of feel comfortable with, but God's Word says this. You know, one good example of you know the church here is the open meeting, right, where people can say things. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> and there's been times where we've had to cut people off, <laughs> right, and say, like, um, that's actually not true, you know, and, like, take the mic, <laughs> cut the mic, you <laughs> know, signal. <laughs> um, but why do we do it? Not to make people comfortable, but because the Scripture says everyone has a, a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. It says, you know, if if, a, if someone has a, a prophecy, a word from the Lord, that person should speak. And then if somebody else says some, has something, then that person should sit, sit down and let the other person speak. That there's a real sense in which we're trying to honor the Lord. And we're trying to encourage one another and follow the Scripture. And... It's not easy, um, and it, in some ways it's not fully comfortable, but we just trust the Lord um, in that. And so that's an example. Um, okay, I'm going to try and keep moving here. Acts 5, 3-4. As you turn there, I'll just say this. There are times when God just gives you liberty. That when you say, what does God want? There's times when God just gives you the choice. You just have a decision. God gives you the freedom that, you know, um, He doesn't have a specific thing that He wants you to do. He has a range of options, and He's fully fine with you choosing different ranges. Um, and that's really clear here in Acts 5, 3 through 4. This is what it says. This is Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they gave the money. Um, they sold their field and they gave the money, but they actually lied and kept back part of the money. Um, 
But there's a little point in here that I want to bring out. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not your at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So they sold this field and they gave the money. And they said that they gave all the money from the field, but they actually kept some back. And Peter's point to him is actually not, why did you keep some of the money back? He's saying, why did you lie about this? Because actually, it was your field. You could have not sold it, and that would have been okay. Or you could have sold it and given part of it, and that would have been okay. But what wasn't okay was lying to God. See that? Um, The point I'm trying to make here is that there's times when God gives you freedom. And this is a case where Peter's literally saying, it was okay to not give all the money. God gave you this, entrusted it to you, and you could have given part of the money and kept part of it back. And that would have been okay. You have freedom to do that. What you don't have freedom to do is to lie to God. And so, to the Holy Spirit in this case. And so that is kind of a secondary point in terms of this passage, but it teaches us something, that God gives us freedom. There's times when God just gives you freedom. And this really is important because I've talked to people, um, this is more of an issue in usually more charismatic circles, but I've fallen into it myself where you really want to know what God wants and you pray and you ask for guidance to kind of almost an extreme to where there's freedom. God gives you freedom, but you're asking for so much guidance all the time that you get kind of bound up. And there's been times years ago, I used to do this with preaching, like, um, God, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to share? And that's a good desire. I do want to share what God wants me to share. But it would get to the place where it's like, if I didn't feel like I had direction from God, it would get to like the morning of, and I'm still praying like, oh, I still don't know what I'm supposed to share. So I basically didn't prepare. You know, I basically gave an extemporaneous message. This was, this was back a long time ago. But after that, I realized that's wrong. <laughs> I should have prepared more. You know, if I didn't have a word from God, I should have prepared something, you know, like taking time to study something. And the reality is we can get into that place. And I, I talked to a, a guy, uh, I won't share his name, but he came out of a charismatic background and he was just all bound up. And he's like, you know, I'm going to this wedding, but then uh, on my drive there, I thought, well, maybe God doesn't want me to go. And he stops and he, and, and then he starts to drive back and then, um, not go to this, his friend's wedding. And then halfway back, you know, he's over across the country. He feels like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't sense God. And he turns around and he's just, it just got his life in turmoil because he was looking for guidance so much. And so it's just really helpful to know that God gives you freedom in a lot of areas in your life. There's a range of options, and God doesn't necessarily um, have this is the exact you know dollar amount that you have to give this week or year to the church. Or God doesn't um, have an exact name he wants you to name your child that you could choose a range of options, and that's okay. And so this is really important to know because... It can, you can get kind of bound up in it. Um, you do want to seek guidance, but if God doesn't give you guidance, you do have to move forward. And so, there's liberty. And so you could just ask that question. Has God given me liberty in this area? Has God given me liberty in this area? If there's not a clear yes or a clear no and there's a range of options, that's okay. God wants you to think, to use your brain, to pray, and then make a decision. And you can ask for guidance, but if you don't give specific guidance, you need to move forward. And you need to do the things you know God wants you to do.
And that leads us to an, one more point here, uh, maybe two. Uh, I guess you almost call this a sub-point, but here's another question for you. Can I move forward in faith? You're asking God, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? You've searched the Scriptures. You feel like you really do want to do what God wants you to do no matter what, whether it goes against your natural desires or not. Um, there's not a clear yes or no in the Scriptures. It seems like it's within the range of options. Um if it's a clear yes, you know, obviously you're going to do it. If it's a clear no, you're obviously not going to do it. And then, can I move forward in faith? i read you this verse here, just for the sake of time. I'll make you turn there from Romans 14. It's talking about eating meat, sacrificed to idols. This is what it says. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever doubts is condemned to feeds because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay, this is a, I'm going to try and explain here how this connects. Um, and I think it can be helpful. It's a, it's again not the main point of this passage, but I think it is clear from this, from the scriptures here. What's happening in this section is that, um, sorry, I got distracted. What's happening in this section is they're wanting to do what God wants in the area of meat sacrifice to idols. And some people are confused on what exactly to do. And one of the things Paul says is anything not done from faith is sin. And that whatever you do need to do, whatever you do decide to do, you need to feel good going forward that you're doing it in faith. You're trusting the Lord. In this case, some people thought it was sin to eat food sacrificed to idols. And other people knew that it wasn't. But Paul makes this point here. Anything not done in faith is sin. And so that's the point I really want to highlight here. Um, anything not done in faith is sin. Whatever you're going to do forward, you need to move forward in faith, trusting God. You've got to move forward in faith. That's a non-negotiable. You want to do what God wants you to do. You have to be moving forward in faith, trusting the Lord. So let's just use the example of, of money because we used it for Ananias and Sapphira. You're asking God, how much do you want me to give? How much do you want me to give, you know, to the church or to this need? And you've searched the scriptures. You feel like you understand the passages that you know, uh, what, what God wants, uh, in general. You're not just sure exactly the amount or whatever. Whatever you decide, you need to be able to move forward in faith. Okay? Maybe you want to give a lot. And the question I would ask you is, can you move forward in faith? Can you trust the Lord with that? Whatever happens here, can I trust God that he's going to provide for my needs? Can I trust God that this is what he wants me to do? That this is where he wants me to give? If you can't, then I would stop and wait. You need to be able to move forward in faith where you're really trusting the Lord. And maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's normally, um, let's, I'm going to give an, an, an example. Normally we talk about a tithe, which is 10%, you know, from the Old Testament. It's a good principle. But maybe something comes up where you have a big expense and it's like, man, can I double up next month? And like wait this month because we've got to pay for 
our car just broke down and we have to have a car. Can you actually skip a month to pay for your car? <laughs> what I would say is you need to be able to move forward in faith. If you, if that's going to cause you really deep, like conviction, like, man, I sinned. You can't go forward with that. You've got to get to the place where you can trust the Lord. God, I think this is what you want me to do. This isn't normal. Um, this need came up, but I'm trusting that this is what you want me to do and you're going to provide. And that next, you know, next month we're going to be able to, to tithe and maybe even add some extra or whatever to make up. And that's okay. But you've got to be able to move forward in faith. This ha- Another example might be um, situation with people. God, what do you want me to say? I'm in a situation where I want to talk. I want. I need, you know. I need to talk to this person about this, or I think I should. Can you go there trusting the Lord? Can you have that conversation trusting that God's going to help you and guide you? That's a really big question. And in all we do in our life, we need to be able to move forward in faith. And so, as you're wanting to do what God wants you to do, that's a good question to ask. Can I move forward in faith? And there's times when you could do both in faith, where it's I could. I feel like I could um, take this vacation in faith or we could not go. And I feel like either way I could be trusting the Lord. That's a good place to be, (laughs) right? When you feel like you could do both trusting, whatever the situation is, and you've got freedom there. But I think it's helpful to ask the question, can I do this in faith? Because if the answer is no, then some more work needs to be done, some more praying needs to be done, some more searching the Scriptures need to be done. Um, Because you've got to move forward in faith wherever you are. And there's times even, think about it this way, there's times when we do, when we know God wants us to do something, we also want to do that in faith. Right? There's times when we know, like, hey, this is what I need to do, but we're struggling to do it in faith, to really trust the Lord with it. And so it's a good question to ask no matter what, God, am I doing this in faith? We need to, we need to be able to trust the Lord. Um, and it's a good question to ask all the time. Um, and so, that's another principle. We need to move forward in faith. One, one other thing. Uh, we already kind of touched on this, but I'm going to add, I guess, two more things. Uh, one more point here. To, uh, the next point is going to be, what are wise counselors saying? What are wise counselors saying? It's not wrong to ask for counsel. You know, I gave that as an example before. Um, I'll give you a couple of verses from Proverbs. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 12.15. Here's another one, 8.33. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. It's wise to listen to instruction. Proverbs 13.1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So it is good to ask. It is good to ask counsel. If you're in a situation, we can't ask counsel on everything. That's just not how God made our lives. Um, you don't have time to do that. And, but especially on big things, to ask counsel from someone you trust. Scripture to scripture, pray, ask, can I do this in faith? Make sure you really do want to do what God wants you to do. But you can ask counsel. Because if you get a lot of counsel that's saying, I don't think this is right, that should make you pause. Um, if maybe you get divided counsel this way and that way, then might make you think, I, I, I need to pray some more about this. This is a difficult decision. Um, but the reality is, God has given us people around us to help us. And that's a good thing. And we want to take advantage of that. God has said in His Word, 
that it's good to hear instruction and to take counsel and to listen to rebuke. And so we can ask, here's the situation. Um, I might just encourage you, if people are asking, come to you for counsel, I would, I would encourage you to ask them some of the other questions. Have you searched the scriptures? Have you prayed about it? <laughs> and start there because that's, it's really, um, it's easy to get into a pattern where we lean on people um, before God. Um, because the reality is Jesus is real. Like prayer is real. Um, but it, fe- and sometimes it can feel more real to talk to somebody face to face. Right? We don't want to neglect uh, our relationship with God um, and use people as kind of a surrogate. We, you want your own relationship with God individually. And we also don't want people to not have that because we're kind of enabling that. And that's kind of a scary thing, really, um, especially as like as a church and as pastors. Like we don't want to be your surrogate relationship with God. What do you think God wants me to do here? Well, you have a relationship with God. Have you prayed about it? Have you searched the scriptures? Have you wrestled with it? Um, you need a relationship with God. Kind of a side note here. Just like you need to read the word on your own, right? We want to feed you. We want to teach you. We want to study and do our best to equip you. But you have got to read and search and grow and have this relationship with God on your own. That's very important. And in this area too of knowing God's will for your life, knowing what God wants you to do, it takes work. And it's not easy, but it makes us dependent on God, right? And we're thankful for that. Okay, one last, this is actually my last point, um, and we've already hit it several times, but I'm going to make it explicit. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray. James 1, 5 through 8 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person may not, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Well, the first thing is clear, that if we ask, with, if we ask for wisdom, God will help us. And that's clear. But I just think it's kind of, I read on because it's interesting how it's connected to faith. We want to ask in faith. Kind of relates to our other point. We want to move forward in faith. We want to move forward in faith in every area of our life. Um, but even in this, praying for wisdom, we move, we do that in faith, knowing God, you promised you'll help, you'll give us wisdom, you'll guide us. And so I'm asking in faith, believing that you, that you really meant that, and that you really are going to help me. That's huge. It's a really big piece of this. Okay, I'm going to try and wrap all this up here and t- tie it all together as best I can. When you get into a situation, and this happens often, where you do want to do what God wants you to do, again, you start, you ask, God, um, search my heart. Is there anything that I'm holding back where I I think I want to do what you want me to do, but is there really something um, that I'm holding back uh, where ultimately comfort is coming above your will or whatever other desire? So submit. We fully submit to God's will. And then we search the Scriptures. We pray. We ask counsel. We ask, can I move forward in faith? Can I trust the Lord here? Um, And there's times where there's liberty. And that's okay too. 
Well, I hope this is a helpful to you. Uh, I hope that as things come up, there's going to be things in your life where you're not sure and you want guidance and you ask the Lord. And I hope these are principles that can help you. Uh, I might just add one caveat at the very end. You know, we read Gideon, the account of Gideon where he throws out a fleece and he asks for a sign. Um, I really don't think that's prescriptive. I think it's descriptive. This is what happened with Gideon. But I don't think it was actually Gideon moving forward in faith. Right? He wasn't trusting. He heard from God, but he wasn't actually trusting God there. He was asking over and over, well, really, God? Is it real? Is it real? Is it real? And, you know, the New Testament doesn't really talk about praying for signs except in a negative way. Right? It says that Jesus says to the to the Pharisees, you crooked generation, it's an evil and crooked generation that seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to them but the sign of Jonah. That if it really relates back to that first point that we talked about, um, do you know what God wants you to do already? And if you do, then even your prayer is an abomination if you neglect to hear the law. And so in the case of Gideon, I think he should have moved forward in faith. This is what God has asked me to do. I'm going to move forward in faith, trusting that he'll do what he promised. Um, and so that's what we need to do. We need to move forward in faith, whatever God has asked us to do, to do it. And use all the means that he's given us. That's counsel. That's his word. That's prayer. And that's a mind. There's times when you have liberty. And there's lots of verses about prudence. A wise man thinks, considers his steps. He's not hasty. So think. Pray and think. and Use the mind God has given you. Use the biblical principles that he's given you. And move forward. I hope this helps you. I hope this will free you up. We don't want to fall into either ditch where we get so caught up in guidance all the time that we're paralyzed and we're seeking guidance for, this sounds silly, but like, I can't get out of bed because I don't know, you know, which shoe God wants me to put on first. Um, the sad thing is that kind of stuff happens. People get that caught up, you know, and I gave some examples of that, driving back and forth across the country because you just don't know what God wants you to do. That's, that's a paralyzing thing. We don't want to go into that ditch where we're seeking guidance all the time uh, to where we can't do anything. We don't want to get into the other ditch, though, either, where we're constantly just relying on our own understanding and just making decisions you know, all the time um, based on what we think and seems right to us, but not submitting that to God, not praying and, even, and asking, God, this is what seems right to me. This seems like it's right from your word, but I want to submit my desires to you. Would you guide me? If this isn't the way you want me to go, would you close the door and open the door as you see fit? And so we, we want to have a balance. We want to trust the Lord, but ultimately we want to move on in faith. And so hope these things helpful are helpful to you. Uh, I hope maybe you can just, as things come up, this will come to your mind. And I don't want you to feel like we don't want you to ask us for counsel. Like we are happy to talk about it. Um, but I will probably ask you, have you prayed about it? Have you searched the scriptures? Um, and I hope this ultimately, like Andy talked about, gives you peace. There's a lot of things in life where you don't know. But you can trust the Lord and do your best. And he'll be there with you to guide you and to help you. And that's okay. Um, that's for our good. All right, well, why don't we pray together and then we can. Um, you're free to stay for the meal. Um, Father, we're looking to you for help. I pray this helps somebody and uh, maybe just something this week. Um, we do want our lives to be conformed to you and we just want to be open. Whatever you want us to do, Lord, uh, if there's anything that we need uh, we need to change. I pray you'd show us. Um, and I pray you'd guide us this week as we lots of decisions, we make lots of decisions every week 
I pray you'd be guiding us. You said we could ask for help and wisdom, and we just pray that you would. You would guide us um, every day in little things and big things. Pray you'd give us clarity from your word, and just like David was saying, we pray ultimately, Lord, please, would you conform our hearts to yours? Um, we want to want what you want. Uh, we want to want you. We want, want to desire you more and more, and I pray you'd grow that. Um, we just hand all these things to you. We need you every day. Um, I pray to just that we could walk, move forward in faith, that we could trust you with the things going on in our life um, in all areas. But we need your help. Would you fill us? Would you help us? Um, would you reveal to us any areas where we're not walking in faith? We hand this all to you, and we're just so thankful for grace, for mercy, and we look to you for help. Amen.